Welcome back, everybody, and we're delighted that you're with us. We are now on episode 13. Hello, Father. Hello, Christine. Good day to you. And you. And today we're going to be covering audiences uh, 21 and 22. Uh, so we're almost at the end of this exploration of original man. Um, that will conclude with audience 23. Um, so we are progressing, aren't we, Father? We are, Christine. It's flying by. It is. It's a rock and roll journey, but it's, <laughs> it's been great, yeah. Okay, so would you like to lead us in prayer, Father? Yes. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you, and we praise you, and we bless you. We thank you for this wonderful gift to dive deeply into the teaching of St. John Paul the Great. We ask that this uh, beautiful teaching wash over our hearts and minds to renew and restore us, to revive us as men and women created in the image and likeness of God, to renew our sexuality and our spousal gift, to give us healing and restoration in those very sensitive and sacred areas of our selves and our relationships. We ask for the guidance, intercession and prayers of Mary, our Blessed Mother, and of St. Joseph, our beloved patron, and of St. John Paul II himself. We make these prayers through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, Amen. Thank you, Father. So yes, audience 21 then. And here we see John Paul II continuing um, this discussion on this word new, where we read in Genesis 4.1, and Adam knew Eve, his wife, who conceived and brought forth Cain, saying, I have gotten a man through God. And so, as we said previously, this word new to know means far more than just knowing a fact, knowing a subject, or knowing her in the sexual act even. It's far more than that. There's far more profound meaning attached to this word new. And indeed, John Paul II says this, he says, the term new united himself. It's the synthesis, the whole density of the biblical text analyzed so far. So in relation to original man, John Paul II is saying this knowing that original man possessed synthesizes everything that we've said thus far about original man and original woman. So it's a profound understanding of knowing someone intimately. And so in terms of it being a synthesis then of everything that we've said so far, what does he actually mean? So if we break that down, we recall that first experience of original solitude where Adam was amongst all of the animals and he was naming them. And he came to that self-conscious awareness that he was different that he had these powers of self-determination, that he had the powers to undertake tasks for God and respond to God's command to undertake tasks. So Adam knew that he was different. He had that knowledge. He knew that he was not just another animal. And then we have that second dimension of original solitude where God said it's not good for man to be alone. And Adam knew that he was destined for a relationship, that none of the animals fulfilled within him this need for relationship. He's been made 
in the image and likeness of a relational God, and he could sense that there was something missing. It wasn't good for him to be alone. So he knew that he was made for relationship. And then, of course, um, we find that God presents man with woman. And he knew on seeing her instantly, in spite of her bodily difference, he knew instantly that she was a fellow human person, a human being, that she was not another animal. He knew and affirmed instantly her personhood. He actually says, this one is at last bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. And he also knew that he had the power to choose. Um, he wasn't a robot. He had the power and the gift of free will gifted to him by God. So he had that capacity to choose, to make choices, the power of self-determination. And he knew on seeing woman that he had the capacity to make a gift of self to give himself to her and likewise her to him. So he had that knowledge too, this knowing and understanding of the spousal meaning of their body, whereby they could be a reciprocal gift to one another and enrich one another. And in that experience of original nakedness, where they were naked without shame, they knew that their bodies were created for this spousal relationships, this spousal meaning of their bodies that they've been designed and created by God as gift. And as we said um, in reference to General Audience 19, John Paul II's famous quote, where he says, the body and it alone is capable of making visible the invisible, the spiritual and the divine. So original man knew the meaning and the purpose of his body. And we also said last time that he was inspired with grace, that grace was God's gift to man, it was a participation in the inner life of God. And so in the um, experience of original innocence, man and woman were able to look upon one another with that peace of the interior gaze. They knew how to look at one another. And that's something that we have lost in this post-original sin world. How do we really know how to look at one another? So he was capacitated then. He had the knowledge of how to make a complete and total gift of self. And it's in this sense, in this complete synthesis of everything that we've said in discussing the audiences so far, that original man, that Adam knew his wife Eve. So there's far more to it than just that small little four-letter word. And so John Paul II says this new, in inverted commas, synthesizes the whole de density of the scriptures we've covered so far. But then he says, there's more to be discovered. He said, a further discovery of the meaning of one's, one's own body. So what is this further discovery of the meaning of the body? Well, so far we've talked very much about original man and original woman and their capacity to make a gift of self, to form a communio personarum, to form, if you like, an image of Trinitarian love. But we haven't really moved beyond that. And in this general audience, we are now moving into more of John Paul II's thoughts on generation, on procreation, and of course that leads to motherhood and fatherhood. And so from everything we've said so far, we say woman is not just woman. Uh, Genesis 4.1 reveals that in her bodily structure, original woman becomes aware that it is only she who conceives 
and gives birth to a child. Only she has that capacity to nurture new life and bring it to birth and bring into being another human creature created in the image and likeness of God. So he says, original woman then has a full awareness of the mystery of creation, which is renewed again and again in human generation. That's on page 213. So woman in particular is in touch with or has an affinity to this notion of participating in creation. Her body literally um, gestates and gives birth to creating a new human person. So John Paul II says the feminine body is an expression of creative love. I think that's a beautiful affirmation of womanhood, that it is she who gestates and gives birth to children. And it's a view that honours the female's female body in a way that we don't really see very much of in society today. We live in a culture which tends to demean, deny or annul femininity and the female body. And we see that in the pornography industry. We see that in transgenderism and we see that in contraception. And then on the part of man, then, John Paul II says, in witnessing the woman who conceives and births the child, he too discovers himself. He discovers the generative and the paternal meaning of his body. And then in contrasting one with the other and in learning one from the other, each then enriches the other with the knowledge that they have of this motherhood and fatherhood. And John Paul II goes on to say that through the somatic homogeneity, which is the sexual complementarity, the sexual difference, male and female, we hear those words, flesh of my flesh, bone of my bones, coming together to form another flesh of my flesh and bone of my bones. And as woman says, all of this is accomplished with the help of the Lord. She says, the woman says, I have acquired a man from the Lord. So here she's acknowledging again the mystery of creation, which is renewed in human generation. She's expressing a full awareness of her creative participation and God's creative participation in human generation. And we see this in the Catechism as well. In Catechism 366, it says, the church teaches that every spiritual soul is created immediately by God. It is not produced by the parents and also that it is immortal. It does not perish when it separates from the body at death and it will be reunited with the body at the final resurrection. So to conclude this section then, in spite of original sin, that image of God forms a constant basis of continuity and unity for the human person. John Paul II says, in this new man, born from woman parent through the work of man parent, the same image of God is reproduced every time. So every human person is born in the image and likeness of God and thus is of immense value. Each individual person is a unique and unrepeatable being. And this can then be the beginnings of our understanding of the church's teaching that prohibits abortion, contraception, IVF, surrogacy, euthanasia, and why the church deems these acts to be wrong. 
Each and every person is made in the image and likeness of God. So I'll leave it there, Father. Do you want to add anything in? Yes, Christine, um, and thank you. Thank you again, you know, for your very, very um, wonderful and concise and clear summary, you know. It's beautiful uh, to hear you teaching this um, this message so well. Actually, uh, Christine, I really was quite blown away by that piece um, on motherhood and fatherhood. It's um, as you said, it's uh, audience, yeah, twenty one, uh, paragraph two. <coughs> um into three four five and the concept of the spousal meaning of the body we're very familiar with in the sense of it's a beautiful um image it's a beautiful reality that you know the man's body doesn't make sense um apart from the woman's body in terms of that you know reproductive um capacity but what really struck me was the, the, as you say, that lovely continuity into fatherhood and motherhood that comes from, you know, the knowledge that, that Adam and Eve had experienced. And so the, the generative and paternal meaning of his body, that just really blew me away, that man has a paternal meaning in his body. And woman has a maternal meaning in her body, as you say. And so in this tragic world that we're living in, this fallen world where we don't even know what it means to be a man or a woman, we just can't decide. It's shifting. It's fluid. We're making it up as we go along. We're customizing ourselves. But when you think about it, what does a, a woman's body do? As you said, a woman's body menstruates, unlike a man's body. A woman's body gestates and then gives birth and then lactate. All these things that a man's body can't do, you know? And so the... The identity of the woman's body is so um, is so connected, is so foundationally, essentially um, united, fundamentally, you know, with uh, birth and new life and creation. It's extraordinary. And then, you know, the man, the same, the generative and the paternal meaning of the body. Well, what does a man's body do? He inseminates the seed his seed in a woman's body um and then generates that life you know initiating if you like that life that then along with a woman's body um gives you know gives rise to this this third person and so in that audience um you know uh 21 paragraph 2 there's a lovely footnote 33 it says fatherhood is one of the most prominent aspects of humanity in sacred scripture now i just love that concept it, it really 
It's been a big piece in my own personal journey and my own father and my own spiritual fatherhood. And then with the work of the men of St. Joseph, you know, this men's ministry, a big shout out for the men of St. Joseph um, to help them become better men and better fathers. And so it goes on. The text of Genesis 5, 3, Adam begot a son in his image, in his likeness, is explicitly connected with the account of the creation of man in Genesis 1.27 and seems to attribute to the earthly father the participation in the divine work of transmitting life, perhaps also in the joy present in the statement, God saw everything that he had made and indeed it was very good. And so it's a beautiful reality, you know, this theology of our body. I think, as we keep saying, is such um, a profound and timely teaching for the, the confusion of our times. As I say, men, God bless them, you know, wandering somewhat aimlessly through life, you know, not knowing how to commit, how to be a father, um, their identity, their purpose and their function in life. And we have it here. We have it stamped in our very bodies. And uh, I just find that really beautiful, the, the paternal meaning of his body. Uh, so that's been a really powerful learning for me, of relearning, you know, as, be, as I've been uh, rereading this text now, which is for me, which is for the third time to read through the entire text. And it's just such a beautiful affirmation of man, isn't it? We live in a culture that is demeaning man all the time. And, and we have this phrase, toxic masculinity, and how sad that is for men to feel that that's the label that they've been given by modern society. Whereas the vision that John Paul II is presenting to us, not just of womanhood, which is beautiful, but equally of manhood and what, what that means. It's so important for today. Absolutely, Christine. And, and just, um, you know, a connecting a connected point that, that John Paul II also writes about in another um, one of his many, you know, incredible writings, Crossing the Threshold of Hope. He says that um, really the primordial sin of Adam and Eve um, was Satan trying to remove a dependence on the fatherhood of God. It's an extraordinary reality. And he says, this is the whole truth of reality, that Satan wanted to place that doubt in the minds of Adam and Eve to remove that filial boldness, that filial relationship that they had with God their Father. And so that is what Jesus has come to restore. And we have that very powerfully, particularly in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, he's introducing us again into that fatherhood of God and that complete trust, that filial boldness that I think someone like Therese of Lisieux was such um, a profound and a modern heroic example of that childlike simplicity before her father. And so that is uh, what we're trying to get restored you know, which is what we're trying to help men do. 
um, to renew that sense of fatherhood. So it really is a profound and a beautiful teaching that we'll come back to, I'm sure, over and over again. And maybe if I can, Christine, and just to, to sort of head towards the end, audience 22 then um, is really the final one before audience 23 that, that concludes this um this first triptych, if you like, in the uh, the panel um, of part one of the catechesis. And it's really just, as John Paul II says himself, we're coming to the end of this cycle of reflections. And I think the fundamental uh, teaching for me was that he has um, a title here, Knowledge is Stronger Than Death, that even though we are now subject to the um, the disorder, if you like, of historical man, there's still that desire for communion. You know, there's still that interpersonal um, wonder or the man is seeking, you know, to give life and to have children um, and the woman is the same. So even despite, as they say, this new and tragic reality, these fundamental um, gifts of communion, of knowledge in that fullest sense, of generation, of procreation, they still exist in historical man. They're not completely obliterated. And so some of the commentators are saying, you know, that um, that risk uh, of um, forming a relationship, even entering into marriage, that is a risk. We don't have the peace of the interior gaze. Um, we are subject to lust and domination and appropriation. But still, many people think rightly that marriage is still a beautiful gift. You know, they still aspire uh, to that um, and I think you know deep down we all still hope for that love ever after that eternal gift you know there's still that um, desire deep within uh, despite the recognition that we are fallen and that we are broken we're not in that same state as Adam and Eve but the Jesus as we will see now moving through um, does come with the rescue mission, you know, to rehabilitate and restore. Um, so that, I guess, Christine, is just, yeah, the the little uh, learning that I received from, from Audience 22. Um, don't know if you have anything to add to that, but we're coming to the end now um, of this first part. I can't believe it. Yeah, well, yeah, so, no, I haven't got any more to add to that, Father. I think... We'll be wrapping everything up uh, in audience 23. 23, yeah. Which we'll be doing in our next episode. And then we'll be embarking on the exciting adventure of um, historical man. And we'll be looking at the first audience that deals with historical man, which will be general audience 24. So I think we'll save a summary for the next time, Father, rather than do it here. Yes, yes. Good idea, Christine. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, Father. I think that concludes the episode for today.
Yeah, God bless you, Christine, and thank you to all our listeners. Don't forget now to like, subscribe, and follow, and do post out these um, videos to all your families and friends, which I know many of you are doing, so thank you. We have a very, um, you know, loyal uh, number of followers who are consistently tuning in, so we're very, very grateful to you all and the, the, the positive feedback that we've been receiving so far, so thank you uh, for all that. And just two things I'd like to say, Father. Number one is if anyone has any questions, um, if these uh, podcasts and the YouTube videos just... Um, stir any questions within you that you'd like to send in, then do please email tobnetworkuk at gmail.com. That's tobnetworkuk at gmail.com. And those emails go direct to myself and Father David, um, so we could answer any questions that you have. And if anyone is just joining us and doesn't know what text we're talking about, I'll just hold that up there. So it's man and woman, he created them, a Theology of the Body, and it's the Michael Wolstein one with the introduction by Professor Wolstein. That's the one that we are following as we go through these general audiences. Um, so that's it for now. Thank you very much for watching and listening, and we will see you when we rejoin for uh, episode 14, it will be. God bless everyone. Thanks, Christine. See Thanks, you soon. Bye.